Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central, and I'm glad you are all here with us. Um, if you're online, thanks, teenagers. Um, appreciate that. If you're online with us today, I'm glad you're here with us as well. Um, make sure you guys get the, the notes by scanning the, the screens around us. There's a QR code. It's going to stay up for a little bit. Or if you have the Church Center app, that's another great way to do that. Let me just say, man, worship was fantastic this morning. And I was looking around, like the guitar playing was incredible. Um, and my, my buddy Kelly, he's back there on the bass, and he was killing it today because his son was at prom um, like all night, and so he was on like very little sleep. And let me just say this, his son took my daughter to prom, and so I had very few, very little sleep uh, today or last night as well. Uh, but uh, man, it, I'm glad that you guys are, are here um, this morning um, with us. And you know, sometimes when you're when you're going through things, sometimes things can be stressful, just like a parent, you know, wondering what your kid's doing at prom. And, and uh, it's just, that's just how life is sometimes. And I don't know about you, but everybody has a different way of, of relieving stress, don't they? I mean, if you're a musician up here, you might relieve stress by playing music. Um, some of you guys might like to go work out to relieve stress or Eat ice cream. Anybody? Ice cream? Yeah, me? Okay. It's me too. So there's all these different ways that we can relieve stress. One of the ways that I love to relieve stress is just to do things with my hands, you know, to just to get my hands dirty and to, to maybe build or fix or create something. I just love to do that. Gets my mind in, in a different place. And lately, uh, I've been doing something in my garage. Um, uh, when my son turned 17, we uh, found a 1981 a motorcycle that we bought for, for very, very cheap because it does not run. In fact, it hasn't run since the early 90s. Um, let me show you. Actually, here's a picture of, of that motorcycle. So you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Look, it's still got all the, most of the original parts, but it will not move on its own, okay? And so we've been trying to work on it and, and fix it, and it's kind of been a stress reliever for me just to be able to get away. And in fact, let me show you some pictures. Uh, I don't know if you guys have Be Real, but um, I have Be Real just so I can hang out with my kids online a little bit. And, and so these are some pictures of me, and yeah, I'm just being stupid. Um, but it takes a front and back picture. And this is the motor. We took it out of the, of the motorcycle to try to fix it. And I started to, to just take apart a little bit of things. And I was scared, guys. I was just scared. I don't know what to do. I got the service manual. And this thing is older than I am. And, and, and uh, thank goodness there's the YouTube University. And so we're, I'm looking up YouTube. How do, how do I fix this? And I start taking things apart. And um, here's some other pictures. I just, it just gets worse. I start taking off all sorts of stuff and gas. And O rings, and I've got parts everywhere. I mean, they're just, they're just all over the place. And I've been trying to keep them in separate piles and trying to remember um, where that pile goes with what part of, of the engine. And, and honestly, it's, it's a work in progress. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And I hope that it turns out okay. I hope I put it back together and I don't have a whole lot of spare parts <laughs> left over. But it's been a work of progress, and so are we, you know? I mean, think about your life. I think about my life, and it is a constant work in progress. And when you're working on something like as intricate as an engine or as delicate as our lives, it's important, I think, to take your time. And God takes his time, and he, he continues to work on, on us. And we need to take our time when it, when it comes to working on our, our lives as well. We need to slow down, and we need to do it right. It's better than, than rushing through it 
or you end up with a box full of leftover parts, you know? I mean, that's, that's a bad thing uh, if that happens. I pray that that's not what is going on um, in my garage. But in fact, it's exactly what we've been doing over the last several weeks. We've been taking our time and going through um, these two verses in Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, and turn there, Ephesians 3, and we'll throw this up on the screen. But, but let me walk through with you this verse, these two verses again with us today. It says this, now to him, talking about God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Now, last couple of weeks we've been talking about the first part of this verse and how what it's saying is that, that God has this unique ability to do things that, that are far beyond what we could ever dream possible. So last week we asked this question, why are our dreams or why are our prayers so small? If God can do some incredible things, why are our prayers small and weak prayers? Because God can do some incredible things when we pray some bold prayers. Many years ago, I had a chance to go to Las Vegas with our families, like 20 years ago, it was before kids, and, and we went with the, my, my parents and my grandparents, my sister and her family, and, and Holly and I went, and, and we went and we went to a David Copperfield um, illusionist show, I mean, a magic show, I'm not supposed to say magic on stage, whatever, forgive me, okay. So, so we went to this show, and it was, guys, it was just incredible. We got seats on the second row of this giant auditorium in, in Las Vegas. And David Copperfield is probably one of the, the, the most amazing illusionists um, there, there is. And in fact, he's still in Vegas today, 20 years later, still doing the shows. I mean, he is incredible what he can do. And I remember we were watching him and, and he comes out about halfway through the show in this, this big trench coat. And he starts doing some, some illusions and he he brings out this little bird out of his out of his coat. I'm like, whatever. I mean, everybody can do that, you know. And and uh, so he takes this bird. It kind of flies off, and and he takes out another bird, and then another bird. And he begins to slowly. He begins to to kind of spin around, and then he starts spinning around faster and faster and faster. And his coat begins to like to flow out like this, and all these birds start flying out. And, and these birds got just increasingly bigger, and then all of a sudden a duck flies out and a goose flies out. And I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like this close to the dude, and I have no idea how he did it. And I was blown away, but it got even better than that because later on he brings out this, this red Corvette. They drive a red Corvette out on the stage, and I'm, I'm, I'm like 10 feet from, from this Corvette. And so I know it's real. It's not like just mirrors or whatever. And this Corvette is on the stage, and it begins to spin on this platform on stage. And he's doing whatever is his, his tricks. And all of a sudden, there's like this, this like flash. And this Corvette just completely just poof, just disappears. And not only that, as soon as it disappears, he disappeared. And then he was on the third balcony like one second later. I don't know how he did it. I was absolutely blown away. Now, I could see how everything was, was happening. I mean, you have all these props, you have this huge stage. I mean, I know there's tons of people behind the scenes um, working. And I mean, just the fact that he's in Las Vegas and the seats are, you know, $100 a pop or whatever they were, I don't know. I wasn't paying. I mean, I was like 20. And so my parents paid for it. Um, but, we, but we were there. And the question is, how did he do it? 
And I'll, I'll never know. I'll never know. I think the same goes for God. We read about him. We know about him. Some of us have really worn Bibles because we've, we've read and we've studied and we've seen just what God can do. We just sang about that. And we know he can do some incredible things. But the question is for us today is how does God pull off the incredible? How does he actually do that? Well, this verse that we've been studying, the, the next part of it for us today explains exactly how. Look what it says. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, and I underline it for us this morning, he says this, according to his power that is at work within us. So we finally get on stage. I and mean, we were three weeks in, we finally get to be a part of this, this equation of God doing things in, in an incredible way. We get to be a part of, of God's story. And it says that God is at work within us. You know, I've got this, this toolbox up here, and you're like, why in the world do you have these tools up here today? But, but these tools, every single one of them has a unique purpose. I mean, you've got a, a hammer, you've got different wrenches and pliers, and you've got the, you got the drill, and, and just every different part of, of this, this bag, of this toolbox, has a purpose. Every single thing that, that's in here. And it's a great illustration for us today because God's desire is to use you to pull you out of the toolbox and do something in you and through you. And there's something we need to remember today, and it's this, that God chooses you for a purpose. Now, that should be humbling. That should make you kind of catch your breath a little bit and just kind of ask why and how. Why would he do that? I don't understand it. But for some reason, God chooses to use us. He doesn't need to, does he? There's no way he needs us or is waiting on us. He doesn't need us. But for some reason, he chooses to use us. Look what Paul said earlier on in Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what he said. He said, even before he made the world. That's a long time ago, guys. He said this. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. What this says is that God loves you. It says that God chose you. And God wants to use you. This is his power at work within us. And you may not realize this, but his power is life-changing. It, it is everything. Without it, we would be nothing. Let me explain to you what God's power does. His power has the ability to save you. That in itself is, is a miracle. Romans 1.16 says that, that I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power of God. God has the ability to save you. Not only that, but once you're saved, he has the ability to mold you and conform you into the image of his son, Jesus. And it takes years and a lifetime of slowly God moving and shaping you and molding you. His power is able to do that. Not only that, but his power is able to equip us and enable us to do things that we would not be able to do alone. Like the ability to, to overcome habitual sin. 
that sin that always just kind of stays with you and you can never seem to, to beat it and to fight it because you're trying to do it on your own power. And God says, I can do it. If you trust me, I can use you and I can do that. Not only that, his, his power has the ability to, to speak for us on our behalf. Have you ever been in a situation where you, you just pray that prayer of God, I don't know how this conversation is about to go. I believe you're, you're calling me to confront somebody about something or to, to share uh, my faith with someone. And I am scared. I'm nervous because I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know how this is going to end up. And you just pray that prayer and somehow when it's over, God did something. You're like, how? How does that happen? It's his power equipping you to do some incredible things. But not only that, but his power is actually an invitation. It's an invitation to, for your life to be like a conduit. A conduit of, of his grace and his truth and his love. Not to end with you, but to pass from you to other people. Like, like if you... If you're in the garage and you have a, have a bolt and you need to, to fix this bolt or to screw this bolt in, the relationship between this simple bolt and its owner, like me, is, is the influence of a tool. So I, I can't, I mean, I don't have the grip strength right, to, to get this all the way in and tighten this on my own. And so, so I, I get a tool out. I, I get something that I need, the specific tool, to be able to influence that, that bolt. And I believe many of us are, are not really satisfied with, with our life because we're just a tool that's just sitting in the toolbox. And when the owner comes up to us and, and, and needs to use us to influence someone else's life, what we do is we hide I mean, we get down in the very bottom. You ever had those tools at the very bottom, you never find them? Like, we, we hide from God using us. And we, we bury ourselves under other people so that you're like, hey, that's someone else's job, not my job. But let me tell you this. Today, you need to realize, I need to realize that God has bigger plans for our lives. He does. Ephesians 2, 8, and 8 through 10 is pretty fantastic and incredible passage. Here's what Paul, Paul says. Now, eight, 8 and 9 are really famous. We've, we've heard these a lot. But look, let's look what it says. It says that God saved you by his grace when you believed. That is the gospel. And I think we need to stop there and, and recognize the gospel this morning. That it is not something that you earn. It is something that is given. And he saves you when you Believe. You don't have to earn your way into salvation. It is, it is a gift that God gives you when you believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, who died on the cross to pay for your sins. Have you done that? What a gift that is. Gives you a ticket into heaven. Gives you purpose in your life. And it's nothing that you do. All it is is you believing in what he has done. This is what it says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. It's not something to say, I have earned it because I've done all of these good things. We've heard this verse. You've been in church at all. You've heard these two verses. But I want us to look at verse 10. Here's what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. That's pretty crazy. Anybody feel like a masterpiece? God, like we, a lot of times we don't, right? But it says we're God's masterpiece. He has 
created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. A lot of times we stop after the end of verse 9. But I think this is, this is one thought. And what it's saying is that the purpose of your salvation is this. So we can do the good things that God has planned for us. What it's saying is that if you've been saved, you're saved for a purpose. Paul was the same way. Before he was saved, his name was Saul, and God changed his name. But here's what, here's what it says in Acts chapter 9. It says, Paul, or God, Lord said, go, Saul, for Saul is my chosen instrument, to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. God himself said to Paul, his, his name was Saul back then, that you are my chosen instrument for a specific purpose. His specific purpose was to go to the Gentiles. So he was just one of the apostles, and the other apostles had to go different ways, different places, and God had specific plans for them. Almost like the apostles were a, a toolbox full of different tools for specific purposes. And the Bible says that Saul was chosen as a specific instrument, a chosen instrument for the Gentiles. He had a specific plan for Paul's life. And Paul, the crazy thing is, Paul was right there when God called. You know, tools must be accessible, right? You ever lost a tool? <laughs> All the time. I spent half of my time in the garage just trying to find the tool. That like, Where did I place that tool, right? Second Timothy, the Bible kind of talks about the accessibility of, of an instrument or a tool. Look what it says. It says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. And if you keep yourself pure, you're going to be a special utensil for the honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Now, this is not talking about difference between, like, uh, a clay and, you know, like, gold or, like, like different things like that. It's saying that that if you want to be used by God, you have to be available. And the question is, are you available? Holly and I, we've, we've, we've moved so many times, I can't even keep track in our lives. And every, every place we move, whether it's uh, an apartment or a house or different cities, different states, we've moved all over the place. Every time, we always have a certain number of things that we always keep in boxes, you know? Like, for we've been married for 20 years, and it's... We've never taken things out of the boxes. I mean, we just, we just move it from one place to another. and usually ends up in the attic. And for until we moved here to Owasso three years ago, there was these boxes, about eight boxes, that were full of our china that we got from our wedding, you know, like on the registry. And, and everybody do like the Dillard's registry, and you get like the china. I don't know. It's got the yellow, yellow stickers. I don't know why I remember that. But anyways, so, so um, I always... We always used those, had those, and we never used them because they're fine, China, and we don't want to break them, and we're like living in like a one-bedroom apartment, and why are we going to be out with all this fine China? And so we just, we box it up to try to keep it, it, keep it safe. And what happens is, is those, those things, those boxes that fine China, it just, it just collects dust, guys. Up in the attic, it's just collecting dust. And my question for you today is this, when it comes to God using you, are you just collecting dust? When you're, whether you're fine china or, or a tool in a garage, 
if you're never picked up and used, you're just collecting dust. But the Bible says that, that you're, you're a tool and you're, you're an instrument. And God wants to use you. Now, it's something we have to understand that all of these tools have no power in themselves. I mean, I could take this hammer out, but it, when it, if it's just sitting there and no one exerts influence and power on this, in this hammer, it's not going anywhere. I mean, even this drill, if I take the battery out, it has, it has no power in itself. But are you a tool, an instrument for God to pick up and for him to use? When I was in my garage the other day, I... I finally put my put the engine back together. <laughs> I think <laughs> a couple parts left over. I think it'll be fine. It'll be okay. And so I call Holly um, from the house. Like, hey, you got to come see this. In fact, I just I think I just texted her. I mean, how many of you guys like that? You just text each other across the house. So I was like, hey, you got to come in here. She's like, I'm busy. I don't want to. I'm like, get in here. This is awesome. I got to show you what I did. And so she comes in there, and I like look at this. Look, look what look what I did. You know what I didn't say? Look what these tools did. I didn't look at these tools, take these tools out. I don't even know what this one is used for. But I, 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 didn't look at, I didn't take these tools out and say, look what these tools did. What I said is, look what I did. Because I was the one that had the power and influence to be able to use those tools to change something. I think this is the key to our, our verse today of God working in us and through us. And his power working in in us, it's a blessing, isn't it? The blessing that God gives us working in our lives and changing us and and doing all sorts of incredible things in our lives. But him working through us is actually our purpose. So we have this blessing that God gives us, but we also have a purpose within that blessing. And I'm telling you, we've been blessed in incredible ways, haven't we? I mean, think about your life. I don't don't care if, if you're in struggling in relationships right now or financially or whatever's going on in your life, compared to most of the world, you have been incredibly blessed. But I need to say this today. Being blessed by God is not a right. It's a responsibility. Let that sink in. Being blessed by God is not something that we are supposed to just keep to ourselves it is a responsibility that we have. And our, our biggest problem is not that we aren't blessed by God. Our biggest problem is that we hoard the blessings. We take those things as if they're ours to keep. And God's power working in you, whether he's, he's saving you or equipping you, is a blessing not just for yourself alone, but it's an invitation to be used by God like a tool to influence other people's lives. It's an invitation for you to say, yes, God, Pick me up and use me. But we have blessings that we don't use. Think about my life. I've got a lot of blessings that I just like to hoard. I like to hide. I like to bury them deep so that I can keep them just to my, myself. A lot of us have been, been blessed in, with many different talents. It's amazing when we see people using their talents for the glory of the Lord. It's like, man, it's pretty awesome. But I think that should be an example for us that we need to use our talents for God's glory. But also, like, think about spiritual gifts. Are you, when, when, when the Holy Spirit comes in your life once you're saved, he begins to create in you some spiritual gifting for a purpose. And that purpose is for you to be, be used 
by him. But the question is, are you using those things? Every single one of us has some very unique relationships. You have relationships and influence that I will never have. And the question is, what are you doing with those things? Are you hoarding those relationships? Are you using them for God's glory? We all have wealth that we like to hoard. We all have investments we like to hoard for, for someday. Or we have this retirement plan that we, we've been working on someday. And we say, that is mine. And God says, no, it's not. It's mine. But I blessed you with it for a purpose. Him working in you and blessing you, but also he wants to work through you to be able to bless other people. I mean, one of the, one of the probably the biggest thing that we hoard is actually the knowledge of truth, the gospel. We've been blessed with the gospel, and it is more valuable than anything that we possess in this life, and yet we love to hide it and keep it just to ourselves. This is why we're calling every single person in this church, online, people that, that are part of, of Central, to, to not hide their blessings but, and hoard those blessings, but to, to use them. Especially during this Made for More campaign, the ability or the, the idea of every single one of us coming together to do something for God's kingdom, do something more than we could do by ourselves, to take the blessings that God is, has given us and realize that God wants to use us and use those blessings. It's actually a responsibility we have. It's a responsibility to pray and seek the Lord and say, say I'm, I'm available. Yes. I say yes to you, whatever you want me to do. I'm available. Use me. In fact, I think it's really important with, with this, this verse, that we, these two verses we've been going over, to recognize that not only what they have to say is important, but where they are is important. You've got the first half of, of, of Ephesians is all it's all about doctrine and truth and theology. And then there's this halfway point. These two verses, is a, it's a big transition. After these two verses, it's all about action. And it's Paul saying, hey, here's this truth. Now, what are you going to do with that truth? Are you going to just hoard it to yourself? Or are you going to think about it and pray and say, God, what are you convicting me to do? And am I called to action? We have to move beyond, I think, just doing Christianity, meaning that it's just Bible studies and theology and learning and those kind of things. And we got to see ourselves as, as tools to be used by God's hands. In fact, let me, let me share with you this last verse. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, work hard. If you're a believer in Christ, work hard to show the results of your salvation. I know some of you guys have different versions. It might say something different. It almost sounds like you got to work out your salvation or earn it. But that's not what it's saying. It's saying that once you're saved, show it, right? We should be showing the results of our salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And I love this. For God is, here it is again, working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is, this is the big dilemma of life at the very bottom here. Are we going to do what pleases ourselves or are we going to do what pleases God? And here's my prayer for us. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever decisions that you need to make, whatever position you find yourself in life, whether you're a teenager or a senior adult, the prayer that I have for you in all of these areas 
for today, for tomorrow, for, for 10 years from now, is that you will live like this. You'll say, yes. Yes to being uncomfortable for a while and going and sharing your faith with that person. Saying yes to whatever thing God is calling you to, to be a part of and, and to give and to sacrifice because there's a bigger purpose than you hoarding the gifts of God. You being able to ultimately say yes to being saved. We love to think that we have this power to save ourselves, but we don't. God wants to do something in you. If you'll accept that. But once you do that, he wants to do something through you. My prayer for us is that we will not be dusty tools, but instead we'll have God's fingerprints all over them because we were available. We said, God, whatever you want me to do, I want to be used for your purpose. That's my prayer for you. In fact, let me, let me do this. I, I want to pray for you right now. Would you bow your heads and we're going to pray. Um, God, I pray for every single person in this room, everybody watching online. I pray, Lord, that you would convict us where we're hoarding. Whether it's a gift we have, whether it's resources we have, somehow we get into this spot where we think life is all about ourselves, but it's not. Your word is really clear that you have chosen us for a purpose, and I pray, Lord, that you would convict us of that and, and that you would use us. And God, that you would bless us even more and then use us again and bless us more and use us again for your glory. And so at the end of our days, Lord, we can realize that we poured ourselves out because you poured yourself out for us. And that is the purpose of our lives. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room, anyone listening right now who is far from you. I pray that today might be the day of salvation. They would trust in you. That they would, for the very first time, open up their hands. And say, God, I can't do this on my own. I want to receive your gift. Like Ephesians says, I want to receive this beautiful gift of salvation. I repent of my sins and I want to turn to Jesus right now. And I pray, Lord, that you begin to work through them. God, you can do incredible things. And you use us to do those things. Help us to see how we're to be a part of your work and to say yes to that. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, 
And that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.